All right, all right. Welcome to the porch. Hey, help me welcome my friends all across the nation. We got the porch live, Austin, Texas, Midland, Texas, Indianapolis, Indiana, Greater Lafayette, Indiana, Boise, and Scottsdale, and there's a whole host of more. Help me welcome my friends all across the nation. And of course, my friends right here in Dallas. Anybody watch the Super Bowl? Chiefs! Hey, hey, I'm not a bandwagon. I lived in Kansas City almost eight years, moved to Dallas three and a half years ago, but grew up in the motherland right here in Texas. Let's make that clear. No, I love the Super Bowl. Like, I, I love it. Like, I love a lot uh, about the Super Bowl. I love the fact that there's two teams, the best two teams of the year. They're facing off, and you hope to be this epic showdown, right? Like, I love the food. Anybody, like, just a foodie? Like, I'm a foodie. Got to watch what I eat because, you know, I'll just go to town. Like, there's all kinds of food at Super Bowl parties. And, you know, I love the commercials. That, you know, you never know what's coming, Right? Better guard your eyes, man. Uh, but but you, I love the, the creativity of commercials. I love the halftime. Like some of you, some of you, uh, you thought the main show was Rihanna. You still don't know the score of the game. Oh, somebody, somebody excited about Rihanna. The halftime show. But, but here, here's what I like the most. I, I love the fact that the Super Bowl brings people together. Like, like your friends, like maybe coworkers, neighbors, you know, uh, just people, you know, in, in, in church, like they just, it just brings people together. And, and, you know, let me just, let me just show you a, a pic of my people. That's my people. So this is who I watch the Super Bowl with, right? This is my, my crew, my people. I got my, my kids. I got the best man of my wedding, my boy JD, his wife, and, you know, best man of my wedding's wife. Like we just, we just had a blast together. And, you know, what I know about that picture is that picture, the people in that picture, they're way more important than the game itself and everything that surrounds the Super Bowl because they're a part of my community. And when I think about this word community, there's these two root words that come to mind, commune and then unity. And so community is this idea that you commune, you gather with, with people around something that you're unified on. Here's what I mean by that like an event or a place. So say it be the Super Bowl, a birthday, maybe it's the gym, you know, happy hour, your coffee shop, like, like that coffee shop, your, your, maybe it's Merritt, I don't know what it, your coffee shop is in Indianapolis, but it's your coffee shop. And, and then, you, then you gather with your people, like it's, it, it might be a coworker, a friend, a neighbor, it, it might be a date. And, and, and then it's, you know, you're doing some type of activity. You're, you're grabbing a meal together. You're eating. You're grabbing some drinks together. You're, you're, you're working out. You're going on that first day. Like some of you came in this place, you're like, man, I hope I get that first day tonight. You know, and if I would just say you men, hey, shoot your shot, bro. If you're, if you're, if you're in it, you know, if you're in the, in the game and the game is Christianity, like you're following Jesus, you're healthy, go for it, man. Some of y'all need to step up anyways. So that's your, that, that's, your, that's your encouragement. But, but no, this is what I mean. Here, here's why I say that. Because if we had to be honest tonight, like our community is comparable to what we had on Sunday night. It, it starts and ends with just that. Like, like the things that maybe you do, if you had to be honest tonight, it, you know, the, it just starts and it ends with only that. 
that thing you do with the people that you gather with, the people that you're unified with. We were created for so much more. Although this type of community isn't bad in of itself, it's, it's not the only thing we were created to do. Like we were created for deep, intimate relationships. And, and like, you know this to be true, like don't you? Like how come the moment you leave that social event, you're hit with a wave of loneliness? You, you have this social anxiety maybe sometimes when you're in the crowd. Or, or you are filled with anxiety, like, you know, you, you have a lot of acquaintances, but you go home and you're just plagued with this anxiety that so much so you have to take sleeping pills just to go to sleep. Or, you know, when you're around those so-called friends, like something about that group doesn't really sit well with you because they don't know the true you. Like they still don't know you. No one really knows you. Could it be that the way that we're doing community is not at all how God intended for us? In the quietness of your own heart, I just want you to ask yourself these questions, okay? Just do an evaluation of where you are right now with your people. Who in this world really knows you? With, with whom in this world are you fully known, but also fully loved? Who in this world knows your positive qualities, yet they get to see behind the curtain of your life, and they see your insecurities, they see your hangups, your unhealthy tendencies, your weaknesses? With whom in the world are you fully known and fully loved? See, God has wired us with deep meaning relationships with each other. Unfortunately, like many of us, we just go through life and we never really experience this. So maybe we even settle for isolation. Like some of you, man, you just wanted to be at a Super Bowl party, but the Super Bowl just reminded you that you're alone. Or, or you come into a place like this and there's, you know, just a big place and there's a lot of young adults and yeah, you got some acquaintances, but you don't really have your people. And listen, we can escape these feelings of being alone because today we come into this place and it just happens to be Valentine's Day on a Tuesday night. Gosh, the last thing I needed to be reminded of was maybe I'm alone. And so tonight I want to talk to you not about dating. <laughs> Many of you probably come into this place thinking not about your singleness. Maybe you thought we were going singleness route. Not about sex, not about Necessarily that relationship that you're thinking about, that dating relationship. No, I want to talk to you about the most important relationship outside of your relationship with Christ. And that's the relationship that you have with, if you're a guy, man, those are the closest men in your life. If you're, if you're a woman, that's, those are the closest ladies that you're rolling up your sleeves with, that you're really doing life with, that you're spending time with. I'm talking about your gathering. I'm talking about this sense of community that you don't just gather around a place and you know, the, the people and the activity. I'm talking about you gathering around authentic relationships that actually lead to spiritual transformation. Do you have that in your life tonight? We're gonna be in the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. So if you have your Bible, feel free to open it to the book of Genesis. If you don't, it's cool. We want that to be our gift to you. You can head out to the town center after the service and just go to the welcome desk and just say, hey, I would love to have a copy of God's word. 
I would love a physical copy of that. And so tonight we're going to be in the book of Genesis, the very first, cha- the very first book of the Bible, and then we're going to be in chapter 2, starting in verse 18. Y'all remember what God said to Adam before he, um, before he made Eve? This is what he says in verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be, come on, come on. Alone. Alone. Someone's fired up down here. Thank you. Uh, yeah, he said it's not good for man to be alone. Like the first point of tonight's message is you're called to community, called to community. God calls us to community. He said it, it's not good for man to be alone. And I think the most natural way to apply this statement is to marriage. But I don't think it's just true about marriage. I think it's just true about life in general. It's not good for you and I to be alone. Right now, in this moment, whether you're married or not. And you see this rhythm, like in Genesis 1, one chapter before, where God's creating and he says it's good, and he creates and he says it's good, and he does this six times over the course of six days, and on the seventh day, he rests. And so there's this incredible place of perfection, there's this paradise, and God just finished creating everything, and he created Adam, and sin hadn't come into existence yet, and Adam is ruling over everything that God created in this one-on-one harmonious relationship with just Adam and God. And it feels like there should be this amazing connection. But then something interrupts the creation story and God says what? He says it's not good for man to be alone. Like what could be wrong with perfection after God created it? Being alone was the very first thing in all creation. I know I'm drilling down on this point, but we have to start here. This is the foundation in which we're building the entire message around tonight. I find this to be fascinating because nothing has fallen yet. Everything is perfect. And, you know, I talk to men every single week and they're just like, I'm good, man. Just Jesus and I. Like, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm straight. Like, it's, it's good. Like, him and I, I don't really need his people. I don't really need the church. And although that might sound good in theory, the Bible would just say that that's not true. It, it's, it's not true. Psalm 92.13 says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall what? What's the promise there? It's not, it's not rhetorical. Shall what? Shall flourish. Do we have that up there? Yeah. Shall flourish. And so the, the way that you and I flourish in this life is to be planted in the house of God, doing life, connected, embracing people that maybe don't look like you or dress like you or, you know, have the same hobbies as you. But you know what they have? Point North is focused straight on Christ. It's this idea of solitary confinement. Like people in prison, man, they dread the punishment of solitary confinement. Like it's one of the worst things that you can do for a person in prison. Like one person said, being locked up in a place where you have zero human interaction with others literally psychologically destroys them. It cuts them off from the rest of the world. Another person said, keeping prisoners totally isolated from the living world comes dangerously close to the penal tomb. In other words, it's a slow death. And listen, you know, you're not in a prison of solitary confinement tonight. But you might be in a prison of loneliness. You might be in a prison of anxiety, depression, pornography, alcohol. A prison of 
lying or cheating or, you know, a prison of just gossiping. Like you just gossip because you just want to be elevated in this life. And when you do that, it just makes you look better than the other person. And, and I would just say, if we stay in those prisons and we never connect with God's people, then it's going to be hard to get out. Here, here's, here's the other truth in this room. Like some of, them, some of us, we're just comfortable in that prison. Like we kind of like it. Like we've just grown numb to it and it's just like what we do. And, and God says it's not good. There's, Proverbs 14, 12 says there's a way that seems right to man, but that way ends in death. And some of you tonight, you don't even know it. But you're slowly dying. And God has you on this day, Valentine's 2023, to hear a message that hopefully might change the trajectory of your life for all of eternity. And not just all of eternity, but for now. Some of you are like, Josiah, I got relationships. I got the people in my life. But let me ask you something. Are they the right people? Are they the people that you can lock arms with that are going to sharpen you and encourage you and challenge you in your faith? The Bible says it like this in 2 Corinthians 6.14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? So when the Bible says not to be yoked with unbelievers, it doesn't mean you quit spending time with unbelievers. Like that would be insanity. Like that would be impossible for you to, you know, share the gospel with them, point them to Christ and, 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 and just encourage and influence them. That's not what it's talking about, but it's saying, hey, where do you spend your closest time? And who do you spend your closest time with? Where are those places? Where are those people? And what kind of activities are you doing? Are, are they... Are they stirring your affection for Christ? Or, or are they drowning that out to a point where you just kind of said, hey, man, it is what it is. This is just life. And, and you're just kind of on the treadmill of stupidity. Like a dog returns to his vomit, the scripture says, a fool returns to his folly. And you have no one there to pick you up when you fall. You have no one there to be a truth teller. They just tell you what you want to hear. They don't tell you what you need to hear. 22 years of my life, that's how I spent it. Here's what I know, man. The more we spend time with the wrong community, you catch the symptoms of those you run with. You, you tracking? Like, like, you, like you wonder why you're, you, can't, you can't defeat the sin in your life. It's because the people you hang out with entertain that. You, you, you wonder why you listen to what you listen to, you go where you go, you do what you do, you drink that, you smoke that, you hook up with that person because that's just what you do. That's just your people. That's just who you guys hang out. That's what y'all, that's what you spend your time doing. And God's saying, hey, you keep doing what you're doing. You're not going to change. But if you keep doing what you're doing, you're not going to like it at the end of the day. It's going to lead to bondage. It's going to lead to death. Like I, I feel for some of you because there's actually people trying to pursue the right kind of community. But, the part, but, but part of the reason why your community might not be hitting right 
Because in 2023, it's harder and harder to know who's actually following Jesus. Like, I like the Super Bowl, man. It just makes it easy. Who's cheering for the Chiefs? Who's cheering for the Eagles? Or really any sporting events, right? Because you got the jersey. Like, man, I was repping that Patrick Mahomes number 15 jersey. Like, let's go, right? And so, and so that's just, man, I, I was repping that. Like, people knew who I was cheering for, right? You know, p- people, like, there's just so many distinctions. You got your chance, right? You, the, the city that you're from or, you know, whatever that thing is, there's just so many distinctions that separate people on who they're cheering for. But when it comes to the things of Christ, like, it's just so blurry in 2023. You got the cultural Christianity, you got the soft preaching, you got people who won't share the hard truths of Scripture. And so people just think that they can continue to do what they're doing and there's no ramifications for their sin. It's a mess. And God's saying, hey, there's hope. When you look at this book, it's your compass, it's your guide. Like, you know what I'm talking about, man. You, you dated someone who said they're a Christian and they were taking you out, but then they began to, you know, mismanage information about you and, and they began to manipulate you and they, they, they weren't the godly example that you thought they were. Bios lie, right? Like, like you, you listened to what they said with their lips, but you didn't watch how they lived their life. And, and you're holding that against God. And God's like, man, you should. The greatest test of time is you just observing their life. Like this, that's the greatest test is you watching their life over a period of time. You, you know that person that was lukewarm and maybe he invited you to church and you came to church, right? And you were kind of cold, like just kind of dead to the things of God. But then you started getting on fire for the things of God. And then you started calling out that person that was lukewarm and they didn't like it, Right? And, and, and you're like, man, what's, why are you getting mad at me? But I'm just, I'm just pointing you to the truth, the, the place that you brought me to. Or, or maybe you grew up in a family that sat in the pew Sunday after Sunday. But then when you jumped in the car, it was like all hell broke loose. Like, did you even, did, did you even hear what they were saying? And, bro, it just, it just sends you spiraling. 2023, man, is a mess. It's hard to figure out who's in and who's not. It's getting harder and harder to know who's worth locking arms with, and I get that. So in 2023, here at the porch, man, we've made a commitment to make a big place feel really, really small. Like we want to help filter the people that want to go all in and, 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 and still create a space for people to come examine the evidence of Christ and, 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 and love the people that aren't fully bought in and want to commit their life to Jesus. Like that will always be what marks the porch, but we also want to create a place for people who wants to go all in. And so what we do is we stand up here every week and we just said, hey, there's going to be a team of people down here up front in the front of the stage that would love to talk to you. Whether you're a skeptic or whether you're a seasoned believer. Uh, We've created another environment up in the loft. You just go up the town center, go up the stairs in the loft and it's called Next Steps. And that's just a place to help you discover what is your next step community, serving, membership. And then there's a process where you can go and you can meet other men or other women that are pursuing the same thing you're pursuing and want to gather with other women in a smaller group or other men in a smaller group and want to start doing life together. That's, that's community. And then it's like that we have a really 
easy win every week is up in the chapel where it's like you go up these stairs, go out those doors and there's the chapel and it's just a place for you to process what you just heard and pray. And so there's a lot of different connecting points no matter where you find yourself. Once a month we got great questions where you can go and ask anything. Nothing's off limits. And we'll do our best to answer that. And so this is our heart here at the porch that we want to help get you connected. God is calling you to the community and tonight is the night. God believes some of you will step into that and experience life and life abundantly. Point number two, if you're taking notes, called to confess. You're called to confess. Like this is what marks people that are in community. So if you're like, man, I'm in community and, and as I'm going throughout this message, you don't hear these things actually playing out in your life, let's, let's talk after the service. I'll be down here as long as it takes. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love that. Like nobody can out the grace of God. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. Oh, you don't know my story. Just I know you don't know my story. Not, no, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of all your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That's your vertical relationship with Jesus. I love Psalm 32, three through five. It just says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. It's like, hey man, when you keep silent and you suppress your sin and you don't confess it, like your body gets sick. I mean, that's just, I'm just reading the text. That, that sounds right. I mean, I think that's what it says. Verse four, for day and night, your hand, well, whose hand? God's hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. But then it says in verse five, look at, look at their turn. I acknowledge my sin to you. I didn't cover my iniquity, my sin. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. You know, let me ask, like, have you prayed and asked God to forgive you of your sin? Like, have you recognized, have there been a time in your life where you recognize, hey, that you are a sinner separated from a holy, perfect God. There's no one righteous, not one. The, the only thing you need to come to God is need. Like so often we, we, we don't even realize we have a need. If you're like me, man, I just compared my life to other people, even people in the church. And when I did that, I could always find someone worse than me, which gave me security in the fact that I was never, gave me security in the fact that I wasn't that bad. And so I just kind of did whatever I wanted. I can always find someone worse than you. You know, that's, that's the mentality that some of us have in this place. And God's saying, hey, man, there's no, there's no one righteous. No, not one. But my grace, my grace is sufficient. My grace can cover that. Like some of us, man, we, we've confessed our sin to God, but we're still not experiencing the healing, the victory that comes with that. Like we've, we've done the vertical relationship with God, but outside of that, man, we have not confessed that to anyone else. Like we haven't experienced the true healing. Like we've experienced forgiveness, but I always say forgiveness and healing are two different things. Like forgiveness is what you get in 1 John 1, 9 in Psalm 32. But healing, look what it says in James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins one to another. That's vertical, or excuse me, that's horizontal. That's not vertical, it's horizontal relationships. And pray for one another that you may be what? Come on, what's the promise? Healed. Healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power 
as it is working. See, the best version of you and I exists on the other side of community. The most heal, the most whole version of you and I exists on the other side of community. It's where you share and confess those dark areas of your heart. So many Christians are forgiven of their sin because they pray and ask Jesus to forgive them of their sin, but they're not walking in full heal, healness. They're not walking in complete victory because they've suppressed their sin instead of addressing it, instead of sharing that with people that are either men of integrity or women of integrity, either men that can be trusted or women that can be trusted. Do you have that in your life? There's some of us that we know this to be true, like we're, we're, we have made a, a declaration to ourselves that there's things in our life that we're taken to the grave and I'm not gonna let anyone know about that thing. And God's saying, okay, well then it's gonna be really hard for you to experience complete healing. There's things that you said, I'm just gonna go to the grave and I'm not gonna let anyone know about it. And I would just say, hey, the power of sin is always in secrecy. If you want sin's power to weaken, then you'll begin to confess it. That's what he's called us to do tonight is to confess that sin one to another. The power of sin grows strength when it's suppressed, when it's in darkness. But if you want that sin to be weakened, then you'll confess it several months ago. My wife, Kathy, and I, when you saw in the picture, we got in a pretty, pretty big argument. Like we just, you know, we, we weren't seeing eye to eye with some things. And, you know, we, we weren't necessarily angry at one another. And the Bible says, do not let the sun go, so, sun go down in your anger. But it doesn't say, hey, you can't let the sun go down on your conflict, right? So I was like, all right, man, we just need to go to bed, right? So we're just going to go to bed. We'll put this on the shelf and we'll come back and address this tomorrow morning. So she goes to bed and I kind of, you know, stewing a little bit. I'm not angry. I'm just frustrated that, we, that we're just in this conflict. We can't, we can't seem to get eye, eye, eye to eye. We can't seem eye to, 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 to talk and to work through it and to, and, and to be like-minded in this issue. And so in that moment, I just felt tempted to look at pornography. Like the temptation became so strong in that moment. And I had a choice I could pick up my phone and I could text out the men that I've been talking about tonight that, that hey, I gather with and, and I can say, hey, hey, fellas, listen, listen, listen. There's this temptation that's come over me. I know what I need to do. I need to flee it, but, but, it's, but I'm fighting it right now and I, and I, and I want to click on that. I want to go to that website. I want to go to this social media handle. So I, I'm sure you're already sleeping, but when you see this, will you ask me when you wake up if I won the battle tomorrow morning? And I reconciled with my wife. And by God's grace, I won the battle over lust, porn. And by God's grace, we reconciled with my wife. You know what it did in that moment with my wife? You know what it did in that moment? It, sin's power began to weaken. But the moment that you decide, hey, I'm just going to kind of fight this on my own and I got this, you're done, man. You're toast. Like some of us, like we just wait to confess things on an action level when God's saying, hey, no, no, it starts with your mind. So a thought, reap an action. So an action, reap a habit. So a habit, reap character. So character, reap an entire destiny. The battle is always in the mind. So what would it look like if thousands of young adults all over the nation that are listening to this tonight decided, hey, I'm not just going to confess on an action level. I'm going to start confessing on a thought level when the temptation hits me. 
Do you have men like that? Do you have women like that? And some of you are like, man, I, I ain't doing that. Like, you don't know, bro. Like, people are going to mismanage that information about me. And I'm just like, well, hey, let them. Because you're not defined by people. You're defined by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And my Bible says that there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And so I can confess it. Even in this moment, I'm like, man, what are they going to think about me? The pastor boy, he's got, a, he's got temptations to look at things. I don't really care. Because the power is always weakened when you address the sin. And so you have a chance tonight to have sin's power weakened. Galatians 1.10 says, am I trying to win the approval of men or of God? If I was trying to win the approval of men, I'd never be a servant of Christ. I'm not trying to win your approval. I'm not trying to win other people's approval, even my community group's approval. But by faith, I step out, I send the text. Even if I would have gone and, and fell into that sin, I know how they're going to respond. They're going to extend grace and say, all right, Josiah, let's, let's talk. Let me remind you of Romans 8.1. You don't have to live with condemnation. You don't have to live with shame and guilt because Christ defeated that when he died on the cross and rose again on the third day. That's the power that is available to you and me. Do you have that power? Do you, do you have those men? Do you have those women in your life? Tonight's the night where you remove the mask and you show your true self. Like, listen, I, we come into this place and we're wearing masks. Like, they're invisible, of course, but they're a mask nonetheless. The mask represents hiding. It represents shame. It represents, I don't want people to see that area of my life. And I'm just saying, hey, if you don't remove that tonight, it's going to be hard for you to walk in victory. It's going to be hard for you to experience freedom that Christ is offering the mask that I'm not wearing is the four other men in my life that I pursue and they pursue me every single week. These are men that I've grown to love because they know me and they still love the real me. No matter where I've been in thought, word, and action, they open up this book and they say, hey, lust, I got a verse for that. I got a battle plan for that. Anxiety, I got a battle plan for that. Oh, you, you, you got a big decision that you, that you need to make? I, I got a verse for that. I got a game plan for that. Oh, you, you, uh, you're struggling with anger. Oh, your tone at home, your posture towards your wife and your kids. Hey, I, I, got, I got some verses for that. And the more and more they just remind me of God's word and it gets in my mind and then it gets in my heart and then it just begins to ooze out of you. But, but some of us tonight, man, we're not hiding the word of God in our heart. We're, we're saying, I'm too busy. But, but, but look at the time you spend on your phone. You, you know those smartphones can track it now. And I'm not here to shame you, man. I had to do the same thing because I was making excuses for not spending time with the Lord, for not praying. If you're too busy to be a Christian, man, you're too busy. God's calling some of you to step up. To draw a line in the sand, nail stake in the ground. Tonight's the night you find community. Tonight's the night you become fully known. I like what Tim Keller says. He says, to be loved, 
but not known is comforting, but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully loved, excuse me, but to be fully known and truly loved, well, it's a lot like being, like, it's a lot like being loved by God. The men in my life are some of the greatest expressions of God's love for me in a real tangible way. Those four men that I meet with, they, I see Christ in them. It's like, where's Christ, man? Why can't I see God? You got community? You got people in your life that are in the trenches with you, that are responding to you in a way that's going to point you to Christ and, and, not, and not make excuses for your sin, but they tell you the hard things. And they say, come on, let's go. I got you. Proverbs 28, 13 says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. You know, the, the secret to life is to live a life without secrets. Why? Because it brings healing and mercy. Do you want healing tonight? Do you want mercy tonight? You might be asking, what does this look like? Well, I tried to share with you. Let me just kind of go one step deeper. I'm not saying you got to go before 10 people and confess your sin. I'm like, hey, do you know someone who's a, if you're a lady in the room, she's a strong woman of God that you can pick up the phone and you can call. If you're a guy, you know a strong man of God, just one person that you can just begin to walk this out and flush this out and you might not be able to give all the details. Like you got to start somewhere, right? You got to build trust somewhere, but you got to go first in this. If you're waiting for community to find you, it's not going to find you. You got to find it. You got to pursue it. And you just pick up the phone and you just say, hey, I've been looking at that two-dimensional image. I can't give you all the details, but there I said it. Hey, listen, I've been, I've been overeating and undereating because life, my life just feels out of control and it's the one thing I can control. Hey, I've been managing information, haven't been being honest with you. I've lied to your face plenty of times. There I said it. Hey, I was, I was literally heading to the strip club tonight. I mean, maybe this is one of your stories. Maybe you go there weekly because your, your greatest desire is to be wanted. Your greatest desire is to be pursued, but you took that detour and you came to the porch sign. You just need to confess that. I, I don't know what your thing is, but you just need to go first and you need to say, hey, I need help. I need to get this off my chest. I need to start doing life with people that are gonna love me for who I am, but are gonna love me enough to not allow me to stay in that thing. God calls us to confess our sin, to carry each other's burdens, to pray for each other. We have trusted friends that come alongside of you and help you fight against your sin. Proverbs 18.1 says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. In other words, it's the opposite of what we're talking about. You just kind of do your own thing. You go your own way. And it's like you just want your desires. Okay, you just told us you just want your desires. But then look at the next part. It, he breaks out against all sound judgment. You don't even have wisdom now. I can't tell you how many times I've showed up on a Friday morning at 6 a.m. and I've just said, hey, I, I don't know what to do with X. Whether it's a sin struggle or a big decision or, you know, financial insecurities. And I just said, guys, I need help. And they begin to walk with me. 
and point me to the, to the truth of God's word. Like some of you tonight, man, you, you, God is also saying like, hey, it's not good to be alone in the crowd. Like you might think, and I'm not alone because you have something to belong to, but belonging has to be, has to do with becoming fully known. Like you might think, hey, you're belonging because you do that CrossFit thing or soul cycle or bar classes. Like my wife, man, she loves that bar, but bar stuff. I don't even get it, man. I, it's like a whole nother world. I'm like, body weight? Nah, I'm out. You know, and then she shows me some exercise and your boy can't even do them, right? But, but, but that's neither here nor there. But, but they just, you know, people just think they're belonging to something because they're a part of, you know, just that activity or it's the happy hour thing. But people don't know the real you. And here's why it's not good. Because you and I will never be fully loved until we're fully known. That's what Tim Keller was saying. And, and it's liberating, man, to be fully known, but then also to be fully loved. Some of us, man, we, we, we've gotten so comfortable in just showing this false view of ourself. Like we just, we're hanging out with these people and they don't know you. And so it's just the false version of you. And it's not good. It's not how you were created. It's not how, it's not what you were made for. And I'm just thinking like, what would it look like tonight if we took this serious? What would it look like in 2023 if we, if we took this serious? Like if we created a place where we, we could truly be fully loved as we were being fully known no matter where we've been. I don't get scary, man. The, the world doesn't operate like this. The world has, you know, performance-based acceptance. You do this and then I'll accept you. Man, the gospel is way different. It's acceptance-based performance. God's accepted you right where you are. We've accepted you right where you are. Not so that you go perform, but so that you would experience the love and the intimacy of Christ and his church and his people. I want that for you tonight. God wants that for you tonight. This is my story, man. Jesus got a hold of me as I was wrapping up college and my life came to a screeching halt, man. Everything I'd worked so hard for was fall, you know, starting to fall into place. I was playing college baseball and you know, just thinking I had life by the coattails. And I remember finishing up a game and going back to my apartment that night and I just asked the question, if that's, is that it? Because if these things aren't gonna do it anymore, what's gonna do it? And sin was just ruling my life and I finally saw my sin for what it was in light of a holy God. I always say, hey, you'll never appreciate the cross of Jesus Christ. You'll never sing loud. You'll never get on mission. You'll never open up this Bible if you don't really see your need for what he's done for you. And I finally had lived enough life to know that life is broken apart from him. And the God of the Bible stepped out of heaven and said, I'm gonna stoop down and become a servant. You tell me another religion out there that does that. There isn't one, man. That's what separates Christianity from all other religions. And so God met me all in my mess. A 10-year battle of porn. Taking advantage of one woman after another and the life of the party and alcohol and drugs and you name it. And he just said, Josiah, I want you. I want you to experience life, man. These manic highs and these manic lows that you have, man, none of that anymore. 
I got, I got you, man. I've given you a roadmap. Follow me. Trust me. It's not going to be easy, but I got you, man. You can be forgiven, set free, healed, and walk in all that you were made to walk in. And you'll be purposed. You'll have purposed. Purpose will mark, mark your life. Not just this silly game that's going to end someday. Not just making a million dollars by the time you're 30. I didn't do that, by the way. But you know what I'm saying? I went into ministry, help me. Uh, but, 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 this, but God has given me this purpose, man, that, that is way bigger, that's going to outlast anything in this world. And I love my people that are in the business world. And, you know, you're hustling. That's awesome, man. Do it. But for whose glory? For your own? Man, that's a dead-end road, bro. It ain't going to last. And so God began to show me that he was calling me from that life. He was calling me to himself. And I began to learn that, hey, God never calls you from something without calling you to something. And what he called me to was to change my playground and my playmates. He called me out of that, those playgrounds and those playmates. And not just to ostracize them. A lot of them were my, my closest boys, man. I love them. But I just said, hey, guys, I can't just be going back to those old stopping grounds, man. We can still hang, but... I'm going to be telling you about Jesus. You can tell me about what you do, but I'm going to be telling you about Jesus. So if you can accept me for who I am, let's go. And God just began to change my life. And the people that I spent, you know, my, my quality time with, the majority of my time with were like-minded people. Do you have that tonight? Last and final truth. God's calling you to commit. Called to commit. Tonight's the night. People come up to me all the time and say, man, I feel like your story is my story. What what, did you do? I said, apart from the grace of God, I went all in with men that said they wanted to be about it. I'm not talking about people that just wanted to check the Tuesday night box or the Sunday morning box. I'm talking about people that were real. They struggled with sin, but they struggled well. They didn't just sit back and make life about them. They, they served. I was 31 when I got married. Do you think I forgot what it's like to be single? Year after year, eight Valentine's Days passed by and your boy was single. Tears and laying in bed at night thinking, God, what? Is this is how it's going to be? I can go get a woman. He's like, that's not the kind of women you want, Josiah. Okay, okay, all right. Center me, center me. Bring me back to reality. And God just started showing me, man, that this is where life is found. That that following him is adventurous, man. If you got some crazy idea of what it looks like to follow Christ and you just sing songs and listen to messages and you never do anything with it, man, you're crazy, man. Just go back to the Porch Podcast archive and listen to the messages. This life is way different than my BC days before Christ. More joy. So I locked it in with men that wanted to go all in and they, they walked with me through the highest of highs and the lowest of lows the destructive divorce that plagued me and had anger and bitterness in my heart for years, they began to unpack that layer by layer by layer. 
the stage four cancer that my sister-in-law went through, they began to walk with me through that. Like, what is the world's solution to those problems, to those pains? Ah, oh, let's go get a six-pack or a 12 Let's go to the bar. Let's go numb ourselves. Come on. You know there ain't no life there. And you keep lying to yourself week in and week out. And they began to give me real solutions for real problems that I was going through. When I lost one of my best friends in a tragic plane accident, they showed up. When I finally got married, come on somebody, they celebrated me. When I had my first child, they were there. They showed up for me, man, in the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Call to commit. Tonight's the night that many of you, 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 you pass from this world of superficial, lacking depth of relationship to truly going all in, not just with Christ, but with his people. And I always wonder, man, what my life would look like if I never went all in with his people. I always wonder, I'm like, man, what, what would my life look like? Like, would I still be living in my parents' house, playing video games at an unhealthy level? Like, just maybe at a tailgate, Dallas Cowboys in the parking lot, talking about how I never made it drunk. Just addicted to pornography, addicted to myself, just a poser, like just telling people one thing and doing another. I always wonder, what, what would your life look like? What would your life look like if you never stepped out in what we talked about tonight? Like there's a countdown right here. That's a long time it feels like, but that's just a year. Like if Jesus showed up a year from tonight or three weeks ago, four weeks ago when we launched the porch, is he going to be cool with just like, oh, just me and Jesus, just me and you? Or is he going to be like, man, what? I've given you a church, man. I've given you people. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to go all in? A call to community. A call to be fully known. And lastly, a call to commit. Let me pray that you would tonight. God in heaven, go before my friends. There's nothing I say or said that can change the trajectory of their heart and the trajectory of their life. Would you help the unbelief that plagues this room? And would you turn that into belief? Would you help the fears and the insecurities that we have to step into a community that we talked about tonight? And would they just go all in? And would they experience the richness of your blessings through the tangible expressions of grace and mercy and peace and love and wisdom and discernment that your people are marked by? And no matter what kind of experience they've had 
growing up in the church or even in their young adult years, God, would they continue to pursue it? And would they continue to pursue you? And God, would you meet them where they are? For your glory, our joy, and the world's good. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.